Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 26th of September 2022. Now, the bulk of what I normally talk about is discussed in the market chat this week. I've got the boys in. It's been an incredibly volatile week. Vlad has announced a few things. And as I say, we go through most of it in the bit that follows. So I'm going to simply go straight in with prices. I will add that in the in-house chat, probably the funniest bit is where Webby puts Ben off his beer by describing his beer as it looks like his bathwater, which went on and on. But that is quite funny. So let's do prices. Oilseed rate, first of all, old crop, 490x for November. Now, that one has been 20 up this morning and is now 10 down. So it is all over the place. There's issues with sunflowers in Ukraine, I'm told, but I haven't really gone into that. The price is that. It's come up during the week, not gone down, along with everything else. Wheat, old crop, Nov 265x at this point of recording, but it moves very violently daily. So by Monday, that'll be completely different. X Farm for May 275, so we're putting a £10 carry in on X Farm values at the moment. I see that extending further. Owning a store is not the cheap thing to do anymore. Yeah, I mean, at £10 a tonne, it is, depending on whether you've got an overdraft or not, definitely uh, probably better to sell the nearby than sell the further forward if today is the right moment to sell it. Barley. 242x Oknov, that sort of region. There is a bit of demand to consumers, but the buying on the shipping side is simply not there at the moment. Now, we hope that will come in, and obviously that will clear the surplus of barley that we've got, but at the moment, it's a pretty lame old market in terms of we would love to have got a boat away so we can kind of clear our barley out, but we haven't been very successful with anyone bidding us for it, so that paints its own picture. Let's move on to new crop. Have I missed anything? Milling wheat, 37 to £40 premiums, I will add that, in the nearby. As I see it, the millers will find other ways of achieving their goal with their end product, and the premium, I think, with all of this good Hagberg, good kilo weight wheat around, will eventually come in. That's my view. I might be wrong on that. There might be just a shortage of milling wheat, but I'm sure they can use some of these feeders or add extra to the grist somehow or another. So, moving on to 23 crop... If we go for feed wheat first, 250x for nov, which would make it 235x for harvest for feed wheat. If you compare that to feed barley, probably 220, 222 or 3, somewhere around that. Nothing much trading on those at the moment. Good prices relative to history, low compared to the £300 a tonne aspiration. As I discussed in previous week's podcast, there is a big profit on new crop grains, and I think that needs to be addressed. I think we need to consider the dynamic of a big, big profit, bearing in mind the incredibly high prices you're paying for everything. Let's be very clear, there are some very high profits on new crop trading. So that needs to be addressed, I think. We haven't pressed the button on that with most of our customers up to now, and we've been right, and the market's gone up, and right, there was a peak in May, but since then it went right down, and now it's recovered best part of £30 a tonne, and we're looking at some pretty hefty forward prices. And I appreciate the underlying sentiment is bullish, 
But you cannot ignore geopolitical issues don't necessarily always push the price upwards. So, as I say, we discuss it in more depth in the following chat. So I shall stop repeating that. What does that leave me? Harvest, oilseed rate, 485, which is more money than technically this year's stuff is worth. Obviously, there is a major issue with flea beetle and plantings. So I don't think many people will be selling new crop rate forward as we speak. So with that, enjoy our little chat. It does start intelligently and there is some really good, interesting, important stuff amongst what turns out to be a bit of a, you know, one of our moments. Anyway, enjoy the week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Okay, this week we've got the full crew. We've got Webby, Joe, Josh, Ben and myself because it's been a very big week. There's lots of things going on, mainly led by the fabulously exciting Vladimir Putin. So hello, everybody. Morning. Hello. 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 Sorry, it's afternoon, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> Obviously, the funeral of the Queen was on Monday. So Tuesday, the low of the market was 268.50 on November. And the high on Wednesday, about 24 hours after that, was 287.70. So a £9.20 movement in a day. All because of what? Uh, well, the first thing that starts off was Putin's referendum, wasn't it? Was that right? Or I missed one step? <clears throat> no, yeah, he was, yeah, he suddenly, well, he lost a lot of land, didn't he? Yeah. Ukrainians stormed in the east. Putin lost land and was like, fine, we need to call referendum in the areas where we've got control to make them Russian. Which I'm sure is going to be a very fair polling. Obviously. Yeah. So they're all going to vote. We might as well decide, you know, Russian, the outcome now. Yeah, because they, yeah. they don't want to die. That's a fair vote, yeah. Okay, so yeah. then what happened? What happened next? Well, then the follow-up to that was then, was it yesterday? So they all merged into one. Yesterday was, I mean, Putin got closer to the use of the nuclear button, didn't he, effectively? Well, yeah, but in the meantime, he then, so because the land is going to become Russian, he can now mobilise more troops, which means the war can escalate. He's looking at 300,000 more troops sticks them into those areas that they now control and are now Russian. And, yeah, you know, we know what the outcome is. I mean, he's holding a referendum, isn't he? Talking yeah, about? sorry, just yeah, mentioned. If people have or haven't seen it, but the region to talk about is uh, Luhansk, Donetsk and Kershaw, isn't it? Kershaw, down in the south. And that yeah. is the key one, probably, for grain exporting is Kershaw, because that's got Mariupol in it and a lot of the Black Sea kind of shipping destinations, isn't it? Yes, which is where there's a whole load of fighting going on at the moment. And having gained lots of land in the north, they're now actually trying to gain some of Kherson back. You know, you might be having people voting one day who actually end up Ukraine's side of the border the next. Sorry, can, when you say he might have people voting, I think we need to just say there's, there's no one voting, but the vote will be... I believe in democracy. I've just seen a prime minister voted in by the people. You're right, actually, of course, sorry. <clears throat> 
Yeah, okay. And then, of course, the other point is, on the back of all this military mobilisation, there has been a hell of a lot of speculation about the Grain Corridor. What is he going to do? Well, the market leapt up. It leapt up because there was a possibility of a much greater conflict. And he's threatened the West with nuclear, or he said, anything's on the table, don't mess with me. Now, various people are interpreting that as he could be just saying, actually, we'll settle for these two regions and we'll pull out, that'll be the end of that, and the ones who vote for us, and then we'll leave it, which some are hoping for, and others are interpreting it as he's just going to keep going forever, and now he's mobilised 300,000 more troops, well, subject to them all not running away, because now we've got photos of men leaving Russia in a hurry, and aeroplane tickets costing up to... Start of the week, $1,000, and now it's $9,000. One-way ticket. One-way ticket to Turkey, and they can be there for three months and then go to somewhere like Armenia... Or Georgia. Or Georgia, and hang around somewhere else for a while and try and avoid being killed in the winter in the Ukraine. But he's still going to get a load of troops, isn't he? But they're not going to be instantly trained and ready to go. Some of these old boys who've left the army five years ago and got a bit fat, they're going to need to be, you know, get new uniform, get fit, get keyed up. is isn't just going to be tomorrow, is it? Well, I dare say he probably will just quite happily sort of send them off Operation Certain Death. I would agree. And also in terms of uniform, I I think he'll just, there's plenty of uniforms lying about. He'll just get out the ones from the old communist war. There we go, put those on. Yeah, I don't think he's really that bothered about care and attention and due diligence. (laughs) He's quite happily, anyone with a rifle is going to be pointing in that direction and that's it. Can you hear? Yes. Have you got two eyes? Yes. Yes. You're in. You're in. Done. (laughs) Good luck. Captain. (laughs) Yeah, Captain. Sounds like my re- recruiting policy for doing grain. Um, <laughs> Josh, you had to join. Yeah. So we've got Russians fleeing, we've got mobilisation, we've got nuclear possible, you know, another step towards a holocaust. Where does China sit in all of this? Because they had a meeting last week, didn't they? Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's a tricky one, isn't it? You'd expect, if you're Xi Jinping, you'd probably be a bit pissed off with Russia by now, because there are global problems, aren't there, on a massive scale. Yeah, Jinping is it's interesting, isn't it? Because he's now going to get cheap. Yeah, Do you know him personally? You missed out his name, Xi, didn't you? You just call him Jinping, like you know him. Right, I don't. Well, can I? Okay, if I've insulted, if I've insulted Xi Jinping, I'm really sorry. I'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast. Mind you, he's probably got a minion that does. But anyway, he's kind of lucked in because he's going to get cheap gas, cheap oil from Russia because it can't go anywhere else. Yeah, but he's got a world economy that is in the process of being shagged, which is going to... but he's going to be able to keep the Chinese economy going with cheap food, cheap oil, cheap gas. Mm -hmm. He has to keep the Americans on side because that's where the consumption is, but he can keep his prices down because his inputs are cheap. So, but he is—he's a bigger power player than Putin, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's massive. He's massive. They're the world's biggest economy, aren't they? And they're, but they've got their own problems with domestically with housing. They're really struggling. A lot of the lenders and a lot of the construction firms could go bust any minute. What was there was a big we talked about it on the podcast months ago. There's a massive property firm in China. Ever, yeah, ever, ever grand, yeah. There was, I mean, that's gone quiet. But yeah. <laughs> there's lots of those. There's yeah. lots of banks that are obviously leveraged up against that. Well, they, they came out of COVID really hard and just went boom and just built, built, built. And, you know, they're all empty, aren't they? You make sweeping statements. They were locked in because they had COVID and they weren't no, there's, there's loads of There's loads of there's footage. an earthquake and they want to get yeah, out. Yeah, no, but there's, lo- there's loads of footage of, you know, just empty, almost derelict new build developments that have never been occupied. Sounds like an opportunity, Ian. <laughs> 
I mean, China, we did talk about what we predicted, that China have bought 4 million tonnes of soybeans in the week. And we did say that we felt the corridor was opened to get cereal and commodity prices down. They've come down. And as predicted, China have gone in and had a big old buy, haven't they? They haven't bought any corn yet, though, I don't think, have they? Uh, no, but, coming, but the soybeans they bought from Argentina. And the reason they did that was because the Argentinian government kind of let them do it because they devalued and let the exports go out against the peso. Now, farmers have shut up shop in Argentina. They don't want to sell anymore because they feel that, you know, the government kind of stuffed them. So let's see how that goes. What are soya beans? Do you mean soybeans? Didn't you used to trade them? (laughs) (laughs) Right, so Webby has a massive bugbear about... Soybeans being called soya beans, and it we just love it every time we just call them soya beans, yeah, just for a nibble. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference to any food on site that Ian says, oh, <laughs> I need a drink. You lot are getting to me, so we've got some beers that Patrick Allen brought us which weeks ago. We haven't actually cracked into them, so someone can start doing that while we're running on. So, I guess there will be an announcement of corn purchases from China yeah. soon. That's got to yeah. occur, hasn't it? Well, the, the other the other interesting thing that's happened, we've talked about Russia in the last couple of days, but the, uh, this afternoon's news is that Russia found yet another million tonnes of uh, wheat on their balance sheet. Which takes them to 100 million tonnes. Yeah. But it was only... Oh, me. Uh, was it two, three days ago they went from 97 to 99? And they've now... Oh. In, well, well done, Ben. Oh, ben. <laughs> oh dear. The Sherm- Come on, who the- shook that <coughs> one up? The Shermanator strikes again. <laughs> that was a very quick discharge there, Ben. Yeah, reminds me of you, move, Ian. Move your knee. Uh. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That'll took a little picture. That'll come on the podcast this week. The 100 million tonne mark is nothing other than we produced 100 million tonnes while I was in charge moment. It's like whether it's 94 million or 103 doesn't matter. It's the announcement that they produced 100 is like another one of the pissing contest games, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, so it's kind of how many people believe exactly what's being said. The problem is that he's, in a very basic way, he's obviously just trying to manipulate the market to obviously help his friends possibly or do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. For the amount of information that comes out of the other parts of the year that, and then suddenly out of nowhere, within a very short space of time, he continuously comes updates us on how much his total crop production is, is, is farcical. Because but if you try to get, yeah. It's just, you know, I always famous, I remember we've had conversations about lorries in the past. There was a Norfolk merchant who had a man in charge of it, inherited the business from his old man, and he famously aspired to having 100 vehicles with his name written on the side of it. And he pursued that policy to the point of... He went broke. Now, whether that's that specifically that made him go broke or with a bad trading or whatever, but the dynamic of having a goal like that or having a statement is nothing other than an ego trip. Yeah. And if anything in life, if you're determined to say, oh, I did that, look how... Yeah, you yeah. lose sight of the reality. It might be better just to produce 80 million tonnes efficiently than push everybody to 100 million and make a few people go broke in the meantime. Certainly, it seems to me like a bullshit figure. It's less than that, one would assume. Anyway, so I've just poured out myself a Reverend James, the Reverend James that's, original. That's a really good one. I had that a couple of weeks ago. If a Divine Ale Revelation, which is brewed by... That's a Welsh brewer, isn't it? Yeah, the Dragon Brewery Cardiff. Okay. It's a Welshman. Yeah. Welsh. The Reverend James Ales are named in honour of brewing legend, the Reverend James Buckley, saver of souls and satisfier of thirsts. Bodida. 
<laughs> that's, that's that's an, I don't think we've had a Welsh one on here was before. That, was that an Indian one or was that a Welsh one? No, no, that's commonly quite good. I've got Barshans <laughs> Bob, which is short for bitter old bustard. Yeah, <laughs> I should add that one. I've got the Panther Honey Golden Ale brewed just down the road in Reefham, and I like it. No, that is a nice beer. I've got a Wolf Brewery, and it's the Edith Caval Cavell. It's all right. It's very, very light. It's a 3.7, really golden, pretty good session beer, I suppose. But it hasn't really got a huge amount of taste to it. It's all right, though. Not bad. No, it's lovely. Really good. Ben, the only thing with yours, so I had that one a couple of weeks ago. And it's all right. But if you look into it, it looks like, you know, after you've had a bath, you know, the stuff... No, the stuff, fl- the, uh, the stuff floating around on the inside is all a bit, like, congealed. And uh, Most people have a bath more than once a month. Oh, my God, it. Ian. Yeah. Did you pee this, in it and sort yeah. of follow through on something To describe well? this, it looks like pond water. No, this is more the consistency of the bits that float in the middle. It's all like... I've got the Ringwood Brewery that Old Thumper. Ian, if uh, your bath flavor. water looks anything like that... No, yeah, no. Uh, the, the cloudiness? The that, um, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, to describe that is... yeah. Ian's bathwater, I guess. <laughs> right, you've really put me off that one, Webby. So, and it was probably you that shook the bottle up before I opened it. So, thanks for that. Go What's on, yours, Josh? Drink up. What's yours? <laughs> I'm on a winner. The Reverend. Anyway, so all of us. This is a razor glass. Patrick Allen. What a generous, generous gift. Thank you, Patrick. Chink, chink, chink. Right, there we are. Where were we? We, We've discussed China now. We've discussed Vlad and his various schemes. There's some other big stuff going on, though, isn't there? Let's talk some production. There's a big Aussie crop coming. There's a good Brazilian corn crop coming. There's big drought in large slices of Argentina, Mm. though. There is. So, I mean, I find this very complicated market because we can see globally there's quite a lot of bullish stories. But domestically, it's a completely different end of the spectrum. It feels, anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. I think wheat is going in pretty much perfectly and it's flying in so quick. But what I was getting to with that, I mean, merely from a demand perspective, is there aren't many physical bids around, are there? No, there's not many physical bids around. And so, yes, we've got a world price that's zooming away, but, you know, how does the UK market... Ensus, the Crop Energies Ag, whether they are whoever owns Ensus, have announced that they are looking to probably reduce capacity or reduce production or even idle plants, particularly focused on Wilton. They've made a, a statement, basically increase energy and power prices and the raw material they're buying in the first place, £300 a ton delivered to the site, is too much money to make a profit from that mm. production. They're a German-owned company. You take well, that off the tons, pitch. It's a million tonnes. The UK has a surplus, is only exporting minimally. There's an ADM boat first week yeah. of October. Other than that, there aren't any boats as far as we can see. We're not competitive against Denmark or French for feed wheat. So it's not going anywhere. The price is crazy high, although it isn't crazy high, is it? Yeah, I mean, uh, there are more boats going on than we think. Not lots. There's but a few. There are. There's a few. Yeah, yeah. We know of merchants that have sold yeah. boats one a month forward all the way through. We're hearing of other boats coming up. Again, this business is kind of going on below the radar, but it is going on. And it does happen very quickly, I will say that. Do you think people are looking after their own books? It's not featuring a lot in the middle market. No, but I think there's the middle, some, but yeah, the middle market is drying up. But the, you know, it is there's bits and pieces. You know, and London futures globally look cheap. That is the point. Yeah. We are cheap allegedly, but when you actually physically buy wheat, but you're going to be someone's going to be long of 
a commodity shortly, physically, and be in ownership well, of the Nob Futures. You think, what the hell There's to F4 do with There's F4 being 2,200 yeah. tonnes plus in there at £282 per tonne. true value there is four quid, four quid more than the delivered market into a consumer. And that doesn't you, make sense. No, and rent has gone up, four and three quarter pence per tonne per is day. Okay. Yep. That does mystify. Who, who owns it? And are they going to take delivery of it? I can't see. There's no carry. There's only a you know five fifty six pound carry, and at rent at four point seven five pence, that doesn't work. And that's not even counting the finance. So something's got to give. We've had this conversation two or three weeks in the trot, and I'll be boring about it until tender day. But something's going to give on that spread. And yeah, something's going to yeah. give, I think, on price. Yeah. Because someone's going. I don't want to spend all that money. Thanks very much, and look for someone to take it on. And they're going to go. Why would I do that? It's got to go to a massive spread to encourage someone to be, do it. It could be a very messy kind of expi- uh, kind of expiry into the tender. But we say that every year, don't we? And then yeah, something know, comes it, it, along. Something, and, yeah, yeah. But yeah. in previous years, the, 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 but the it's carry. Never, it's, but it's goes never out. been like this. It's never been. It's, it's been three or four or five pounds carry up until the end of September and the first week of October. Then all of a sudden, the realization occurs, and the spread. Booms yeah. out, and that I think is what's going to happen. But traditionally, we would see a delivered market at futures parity, maybe one to two over, not at these sort of discounts we're seeing at the moment. No, the physical market. I yeah, physical that. market. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: the maths for taking stuff into store have now got to alter anyway because of the cost of physically putting stuff onto the site. We're doing a very thorough examination of every cost of every route we've got on this site here at Alstom and at Cantley to see precisely what the cost of it physically in electricity is. So we can say there's no point us bidding for it; we don't want it. Thanks very much. And when we've walked away for some week this week where someone was paying more money than we could X Farm because if we'd bid what they wanted us to bid we'd have lost money. Yeah. And there is no point to that, just to deal with a farmer. I mean, we much as we love our farmers. We don't love losing money just to trade with them, though, do we? No, exactly, yeah. I don't think we're alone on that in the industry either. I think everyone's beginning to ask that question. So hopefully whoever's paying too much gets too much, doesn't move it, pisses the farmers off, and they come back and say we didn't like them very much. But maybe they'll keep paying too much forever. Who knows? That's a, a private fear. Just to finish off on production, the planting for next year is going really well. It's a bit early still, but the wheat is going. Potatoes have had a nice rain, so the ground is soft, so it's actually perfect lifting conditions. Yeah. That's very positive. Yeah. And the ground is workable. I am parochial, as everybody knows, and uh, there was a text or a WhatsApp message from uh, Neville, my mate Neville Chubbuck. I'll quote him. I told him I was to quote him. He came on to say, Hi, Andrew. Enjoy the podcast as usual. You are brilliant. You do work with a bunch of idiots. But... <laughs> What's wrong with that? But you, you chap shouldn't be regarding Elsham as the epicentre of Norfolk. Well, obviously, Neville. <laughs> Never mind, eh? Down here in the arid south, and, and Neville is on the A140 between Long Stratton and Skull, so it's the, the southern part of the county. Down here in the arid south, we had barely enough rain to bring up most of the altered rape in the first week of September. Then, nothing of significance to keep it going while it's getting totally annihilated by flea beetles. Oh, and can't consider drilling cereals into concrete soils, just saying. Quite right, you know, I am parochial. It is rather easier ground up here. And if you haven't had as much rain as we've had up here, it must be 
incredibly difficult and metal busting or bending to try and do anything down in the south. And there is a point where if it suddenly starts to rain and you've missed the opportunity to drill on those heavy lands, nothing goes in at all yeah. unless they've spread it on. So I went back and said, Look, you, yeah, all right, fair point, sorry about my parochialism, etc. But he did come back and say, perfect, you know, after saying, yes, right, just a light-heart dig. Perfect storm for rape, though, late drilling, drought and massive flea beetle attack, almost certain to fail. Now, Neville's, Neville's not the, you know, the most uh, optimistic, cheery type at the best of times. He's kind of like, comes out with a how it is, with a little yeah. dark cloud over the top of it. But, but the truth of it is... He had a crop two years ago, which was absolutely slaughtered. Mm. And he just, he ends with, good job we can import from countries who still have neonics. <laughs> mm. Like it, you should be on this podcast, Neville, I told you that. Yeah, no, but the reality is... I mean, unfortunately, that is, it's echoing a lot at the moment. Flea beetle damage is pretty hideous. I thought there was a peak of them. I always thought they'd taper off towards the end of September, but they're pretty rife. Why don't they people are. plant it in October? I know, I know it's a really mm. naive, stupid question, but milder autumns, why can't they just plant it? It, it in? needs the heat and warm weather to get away. Yeah, but it's mild nowadays. It never gets cold, does mm. it? I mean, its most vigour is first week of August and it goes bang, <clears throat> bit of warmth and wet weather and off it goes. Right, well, so... so I mean, the vigour naturally will be slower anyway at the moment. Rape has an issue. Wheat, at the early wheats, are going in fantastic condition. So yeah. we, we, we look at, with the exception of the heavier lands in the south of Norfolk, which have not got any rain. Some of the land locally to us here looks incredible the way it's turned over. Looks well, amazing. Potatoes being lifted yeah. are leaving a perfect... There's no, you know, it's, it's exceptionally good mm. conditions, as, as far as I can see. Yeah. Please text me like Neville has if, if I'm wrong on that. But yeah. to me, that looks like a great start. Yeah, I agree. So, which leads on to the final kind of bit of a serious chat about the grain markets. We've got a market that's politically being bullied in a direction continuously one way. And this is the key point of, a, of an argument or debate that's been had this week. It isn't always going to be one way. You know, if old Vlad was taken out and someone else became the face of it, the personality aspect's gone, so the next person go, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Sorry about that, I'll turn Nord Stream 1 on. What would be the speculator's stance on trading the next day on futures? A £20 drop? A £30 drop? I think it would get smacked really hard. Yeah, I agree, yeah, market would get smacked, but that's assuming that the person behind Vlad is slightly more moderate, which there's no guarantee that is the case. In fact, there are some more hardliners there, Joe. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, obviously, the immediate reaction is going to be a massive drop because the thing is, it would be sort of gates open. You go back to reality and they're still faced with picking up the pieces of a country that's absolutely torn to bits. So we might have a feeling that there is a you know good chance of that grain coming out, but it's going to be nothing like what... So long game, there must be still support in that market. It's, it's going to drop, but, but it's not going to drop. It frees up 100 million tonnes. If suddenly oh, the Russians yeah. became user-friendly, it's 100 million tonnes, allegedly, of Russian wheat. Yeah, Russian wheat. So my point is that we've had a very one-way trip in yeah. terms of political influence. And farmers, looking at 2023, I had a really good debate on, on uh, Tuesday night with some farmers, where sitting around the table... I'm prone to sort of talking and not really knowing what's going to come out of my mouth until it's out there. And I sort of listen and think, oh, that sounded intelligent or not. And there was a moment where the cost of production of wheat for a high-yielding wheat farm is between 160 and £180 pounds a tonne. Now, someone will scream at that. I think the only thing to score in that is High-yielding. No, no, it's nitrogen purchases. Okay. If someone went and filled their boots in the mid-600s on their nitrogen, then... Okay, so 180 to £200 pounds a tonne, cost of production of wheat. Not 160 to 180, 180 to 200, max 200. Well, I think if some did, but some got in and filled their boots in the mid-600s and 
bought 7500 percent of yeah. their nitro oh, if they paid 800 it's going to cost them 200 pound a ton to grow. yes correct yes max yeah, yeah, yeah. max yeah. right and unless your yield is low now the, my, the point is you sit and look look yourself in the eye and go the price of wheat for november 2023 is 250 pounds per ton now that's 50 pounds per ton or more if, if you've got your costs lower and my point is, how many times in your career has that been the case? And I accept acreage payments are going to drop, so it's not all straightforward extra profit, but that doesn't even matter. You've been making a loss and your acreage payments are going to be down. We are looking at securing a price against those costs. Now, we've held back as a company on this to this point, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was a point when it was trading a lot higher. I'm just conscious that one-way traffic political influence mm. on a market cannot continue forever. In the end, the realities of all the terribleness gets to a peak, and then there's no more terrible that could be said and as a trader as a well no as a farmer looking at 60 70 pounds per ton profit assuming decent yields and balancing risk really isn't it you know you've got these guys are 25 percent drilled maybe let's say bought their nitrogen you know it's most of the way towards i I don't think they're 25 percent drilled yet i think they're cracking on Mm, but i don't know some and some they're going at it like crazy today I don't know percentage-wise, but they are absolutely smashing, aren't they? We haven't had anyone really chase us for seed yet, because I think a lot of it's got there already. And two, they are just smashing it when they can, really. So in which case, right, we've got a job next year, which I keep, you know, that's true. But we are at last saying, yeah, you need to look seriously at it. You can't ignore these prices. There would be nothing worse than doing nothing about this. I also accept the weather is going to misbehave somewhere in the world in the next year for the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know what that is. We can react to that later. But if... hence, hence the 25%, though. 25% is not going to hurt either way. It's no. just it's a, it's a banker, isn't it, really? If I think so. I think it is the moment where people need to say, yeah. right, we're going to do some. So all of our customers, potty boys... Let's have that conversation for 2023. And it, is, it, wasn't, it wasn't that many weeks ago that the Nov 23 futures were close on 230 quid, I think mm. 231. They were low 230s. Mm. And that represented an ex-farm price of, you know, 215-ish. Yeah, 215, which we yeah. are now 250. And that's... Big yeah, difference. That's, and 250 is a very acceptable price. So that's probably the, the one thing to come out of this podcast is our feeling on that. The sentiment on the crop is what it's all about and as i say we've had a nine pound 20 rally this week on the basis of nothing to do with production just all to do with politics we should get on and sell the north 23 futures before the rush comes in next week oh yeah okay we'll see what we'll we'll look at it on monday and say oh sorry the futures have gone now quite quite interesting if the volume gets pumped if you did something without having as a trader someone the other side of the trade that you're doing you could be very very vulnerable i mean we've already got a very large margin call this morning i mean that was enough to you know wake the dead that one inevitably so the market keep going up we've obviously got a short position on north futures it's not fun now we've we've accumulated a load of cash in anticipation of this very moment we've got to stand that ground until the point when tenders come in that's a long time ago and if vlad keeps coming up with various ideas like he's got we we, it's not going to be very pretty is it like the 24th of feb but the reality is there's the market and it's a price that cannot be sneezed at absolutely can't be sneezed at and that applies to i also think anyone i've said this in the last two podcasts old crop feed wheat this side of christmas i cannot see it going up from where it is now i think that's um it just played a really bad game of poker not that we've ever had any secrets but with discussing the margin call there obviously a bit of a giveaway in terms of what the plans are 
Yeah. Which we've been open about anyway. But oh, Christ, it's, man. I, yeah. You can't be more open than having a frigging broadcast and say, this yeah. is what we do. I tell you what, while we're on that subject, I cannot believe, I cannot believe there are not loads more grain futures stores opening up in this country. Are, are there new ones going on the list? I don't list? know. The list isn't out yet. When's it's coming out any minute. I, if there aren't a load of brand new stores, then all you traders, just sell it to other people at £4 less. Absolutely. Get paid later. Absolutely. If it's your accountant who's stopping you from doing it, get him sacked. He's, he's ruining your business. He's a moron, whoever he is. Just so you know, we are looking for an accountant at Dewing Grain. <laughs> but we don't want a moron. <clears throat> There's too much power in the hands of people who don't make the money. They count it and they tell you you can't do things. I can't pay for 10 days. Why? Our policy. Whose policy? The one you wrote yourself in the back of a fag packet and said, this is our policy? You could go to the bank right now and say, transfer this money to them right now. Nope. Oh, no, it's not a policy. Everyone, oh, shut up. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, board meetings, they probably hold a lot of sway and everyone thinks they're intelligent. It's like the emperor's new clothes. They're not intelligent. They're stupid. They can't make money. <laughs> Our board meetings fly by, don't they, Ian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> We do have board meetings, but we haven't got an accountant at the moment who we think should be invited. Anyway, there we go. I'm sorry about that. So, right, anything else? Anybody? anybody any others? Are you all happy with our beer? Um, no, I'm not happy with my beer. <laughs> should we make him drink it up? It's not that bad to drink, though. It's just off-putting when you look and at the underside of it. <laughs> the, the web he's been washing in it, yeah. The context there was meant to be a lot more smutty. Anyway, I think yeah, you should look, cut that The thing about it, the word foreskin springs to mind. <laughs> For the podcast this weekend, can we uh, can we shower you outside in this bit just for the picture of our socials? Think how clean you'll be. <laughs> We'd definitely get a lot of followers. I can tell you, female yeah. ones, what feeders? <laughs> right, everybody. We I think we'll sign off with that. There was some seriousness amongst all of that, and uh, thank you very much for listening. And catch you later. Thank you. Good night. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.